Thanks so much for listening. This is episode 96 of the 200 Churches Podcast. It's not awkward when I desire the people in my church to experience the fulfillment, the blessing of being a giver. Absolutely. And the people can tell the difference between desperation of a pastor who... You you really need to give, God. Really, you do. Yeah, yeah. Because we have to make budget. I mean, God will change your life. Yeah. (laughs) People know the difference. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, which is all about pastors of small churches. If you are a small church pastor or leader, this podcast is for you. Each and every Wednesday, we deliver another episode specifically designed to bring ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who serve and lead in a 200 church. The Kirk and Spock of Ministry Podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. Nerds. Thank you for joining us today on the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Katie, and I'm here with my very good friend and podcast partner, Johnny Craig. Johnny, how are you doing this fine Sunday afternoon? I'm, I'm a little tired. You're a little tired. But you, I'm good. You, would, you, would you rather be watching an NFL game than, than, than ministering to our listeners this afternoon? Jeff, never. I didn't Jeff. think so. Please don't play the recording put, of me saying I would earlier. Put your phone down. Will you stop checking the <laughs> what you fantasy whatever you got going on over there? Yeah, uh, no, it's uh, it. you know uh, I'm I'm happy to be here with you more than watching football. That's for darn sure. So how in about the, that in, for this fantasy football podcast? I, I, I mean the two hundred yeah, churches right. podcast. You know I don't do fantasy football. You don't really. I don't. You're just like straight up watching the NFL. I just like the games. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. My son Joel. Yeah. He's got all this fantasy football stuff Does going he? on. He's got his iPhone out, and he's looking. you got to set your lineups. Yeah, and he's telling me, oh, look what that guy did. I just made a few points or whatever it is over there. Yeah. I don't understand any of it. I have some understanding of how it works, but it just feels like you know, making a job out of something I enjoy. Like I don't want to be doing all that stuff. So, it, so if, as a listener, you... Are you are you're a fantasy football person? Yeah, I don't even know what you call them. Yeah, f- fantasy football C- club, owner, club member, know. or whatever, right? <laughs> manager, you manage I, a fantasy. I, under, football I understand that I could connect with you better if I could speak your language. Oh, but here's what I have to say about that. That's nice. That's not very nice. <laughs> That's no, nice. I'm just kidding. You know what I'm we should kidding. do next year? Fan- Two hundred churches fantasy football. Ooh, and we could get a whole bunch of pastors to get in on it. Oh man, we do a draft. And yeah, everything. boy, could we do that though? Wouldn't there be like uh, like copyright stuff going on with that? No, no, no. Fantasy leagues are it's a fine. You know, your voice got really high when you That's just fine. said that. That's fine. We're doing it. If you want to be in our fantasy football league, email us and we'll we'll get one fired up next year. I don't know. We we don't we don't we may you not have, you you wouldn't even know who to pick. We hardly have time for the podcast, Johnny. We cannot be wasting our time with fantasy You'd stuff. You'd be like, what's a Larry Fitzgerald? I don't understand. I don't know. John Fitzgerald Kennedy's <laughs> cousin Jeff or something. Is not, Jeff is not a sports <laughs> not a sports fan. That's fine. No, no. That's well, fine. anyway, today today is the the second of two podcasts with Dan Ryland 
that we recorded that for whatever reason the sound didn't come out right. It sounds like we're standing in a shipping container yelling at each other. Well, not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. It just sounds like we're on the telephone right, together. Yeah, right. Not even like on cell phones, but we're on the telephone like, on a party line. Like we called into the operator and we were like, can you patch us through to Dan Ryland? She's like, just one second. Beep, beep. Dan is <laughs> on the conference call. <laughs> beep, beep. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Dan is talking about 10 different numbers that really matter. You know, we're right. usually talking about bucks in the offering plates and buck, butts in the seats and That's all right. that kind of stuff. Butts and bucks. So Dan talks about 10 different numbers that really matter. And again, Dan is just a quality, quality guy. We love having him on the podcast. Dan's so smart. And you gotta love listening to him because you, you cannot you can't but learn when you listen to Dan Ryland. It's true. He's uh, he's a font of information and knowledge. And so we actually adapted this from a blog that he wrote. Did you say font or font? Font. A font is like a script. No, look it up. Okay, I think it's font, like short I, for fountain. I want to put this on pause, and we can Google this right now. Okay, hang on just one second. So, yes, I will synthesize it. We have looked it up. The standard accepted form you're is... You're going to see. You're already skewing no, this. No, 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 I'm not at all. Oh, no, 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 goodness. no. The standard accepted form is fount of knowledge. Okay. And this was also the term chosen by the majority of voters in a poll, 67%. Despite the Oxford English Corpus, is that Corpus or Corpi? Yeah, Corpus. Okay, yeah. suggesting that font of knowledge is now the more common form. So, so it puts us in a weird gray area. It, it puts us, I will say, that even though the <laughs> poll is 67% in my favor, I will go 50-50 with you. All right. But here's something I've we learned. We just say it's not wrong. We can at least agree it's not wrong. It's not, well, this is something I've learned. I had no idea that F-O-N-T meant this little thing that that The water, baptism water is Yeah, there. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either until we just looked it up. Oh, then you were wrong then. No, 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 no. But I, I, you know, I'd heard Here's it. the bad thing. Because we paused it and looked this up and everything, I, are we doing an intro or an outro right now? <laughs> this is I an have, intro to Dan I have Ryland. no idea. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Okay. Dan Ryland. Ten numbers that really matter. Ten numbers that really matter. Yeah. Here it is on the telephone. Dan, it is so good to have you back here on the 200 Churches podcast. We, I tell you, Dan, every time we talk to you, my neck hurts when we're done because I've been nodding my head too much. Okay? <laughs> oh, well, it's my pleasure. I love talking with you guys. You and Jeff are just... Uh, well, I love your heart and passion for the local church. It's You guys are great friends. And so I look forward to this, and I'm looking forward to jumping into. looks like you've chosen 10 different numbers that really matter. Yeah, we did. And I was surprised none of them were uh, dollars and derrieres. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass on that one, too, but... Not because I don't have a thought, but because I'm trying to discipline myself. <laughs> okay. Well, Dan, you just wrote this, and we're going to link to this in the blog post and uh, into your um, uh, the, the Pastor's Coach articles that you write. Yeah. But you just wrote this uh, a couple months ago, and you just said that there's, hey, there's other things that we need to measure. There's other numbers that we should look at other than, as Johnny said, dollars and derriers. Yeah. And the first one you wrote on there is serving the poor. Did you put that first on purpose? For a couple of reasons, I did. You know, I, I want to obviously kind of start with heart and, and things that matter to us all. 
but but also I, I think that Jesus speaks about that I mean so often through I almost said Old Testament, New Testament. That would be a little bit of a... How did he do that in the Old Testament? <laughs> uh, but, but I think the scriptures speak of that so uh, consistently through, from throughout the Bible. And I think that so resonates in, in God's heart. Um, and I, I think there's a, there's a profound measurement about something that matters. And that is simply this. Do we care about people? Or are we so busy build, making the church bigger that we forget about helping people get bigger. And so I think serving the poor is close to Jesus' heart. I think it's biblical, and I think it helps remind us why we're really here. You know, it's funny. We we count our offerings, right, every yep. single week. When do we count what we send out, you know, in yep. that way? That's a very good point, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, you know, from compassion to justice, benevolence, giving ourselves away, all of that is wrapped up there. I'm going to move to the second one, but I love when you said, you know, a mark of a healthy church is how it cares for people who may never attend and can do nothing for the church. And, you know, that's that right attitude that churches need to have. That's it. That's it. The second number that really matters is, you know, how many visitors that don't look like you. And now uh, you you tell a little story about sitting next to a 20-something with some cool tattoos uh, and and piercings. And, And Jeff was joking around that it's me and him on this one because I got the long hair and the you know the skinny jeans and everything else. Uh, but yeah, I think that this point is excellent. You know, visitors who don't look like you is your church only attractive to clones of yourself? Exactly, and I think, uh, and I'm not I'm not pushing an agenda. I'm just saying the kingdom is broad and it's open, and I think it communicates how genuinely receptive you are to new people as well as loving you are to new people. I think people in general can smell it out in a second if they're not welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you might not be pushing an agenda, but I, I pretty uh, openly am. <laughs> we, need, we need churches to be more diverse, you know, racially, obviously, but even socioeconomically, age, uh, career, you know, blue collar, white collar. Uh, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking to uh, uh, Christina Cleveland, who's a Christian sociologist. And uh, she wrote a book called, you know, Unity and Diversity or Diversity and Unity, one of those ways, uh, about that very thing. How when we are a church full of, you know, people who look and think just like us, that's bad for the kingdom, right? That's bad for us and it's bad for the kingdom. And so this, you know, if you want to call it metric of measuring, you know, visitors who don't look like you, that's an important, important thing for you as a pastor to be thinking about. Yeah. Number three that's on here, uh, Dan, you said next-gen called to ministry. Talk about that for a minute, because you said you have a kind of a personal passion and bias for this one. I do. Probably was instilled in me way, way back early on, Keith Drury, John Maxwell, where we just look for the Sharpies. And there's, there's clearly a decline in the local church across America today of the young Sharpies being raised up and called and inspired and challenged into ministry. And, and I think, I think uh, well, obviously God can do this any way he wants to do it. And certainly we need uh, many of our young Sharpies to go out and become doctors and lawyers and, and business people. And, and, and I, I get that. Here's what I, here's what I believe. Without an intentional uh, effort without prayer, without uh, tapping young men and women on the shoulder and thinking, I-, I think God may be talking to you, or creating an environment that actually makes the local church work uh, attractive 
uh, we're going to continue to lose ground. So we, we're we very passionate about doing everything we can and encouraging other churches to do everything they can uh, to raise up the young Sharpies to, who may be called to full-time ministry. Dan, there's a thing that we've talked about in our church where young people that are going to move into full-time ministry seem to get all the praise, you know, and all the attaboy and attagirl and all that kind of stuff. And the people that are just going into business or they're going to teach or something, they're not going to be in ministry. They don't get much attention. How do you manage that when you're talking about asking the next generation to, you know, move into ministry and giving them some kind of attention and favor? How do you manage not seeming like you're just kind of not denigrating, but really not promoting at all the the kids that are going off into other areas? Well, that one's easier, at least here in this environment, because 80% of the attention, even from us, is is about the young businessmen and businesswomen and, and young professionals and young tradespeople who are going out. We champion that all the time okay. through kingdom volunteer work. Um, it's it's act the other side that doesn't get as much attention, and we don't trump. You can't play Holy Spirit and decide who's called into ministry, and so that's not a big broadcast from a platform. That's done behind the scenes, one at a time, small groupy kind of stuff. So even though we're very intentional, it still doesn't get the lion's share of time. What you mentioned gets the lion's share of time because that's the lion's share of people. Right, and I think you're right, and I I can see how. The churches that I've been that I've been a part of, there's been kind of a pendulum swing, you know. So we used to only talk about, hey, go into ministry, go into ministry, and now it's kind of swung the other way. That hey, the priesthood of all believers, you know, wherever we are, there's no sacred secular divide. But even in that, though, we have to not forget that hey, God is calling some of these young people, and That's we right. should be in in ways that we're able to encourage them to uh, to move forward. So I would say to to our, our listeners, if you're a pastor of a small church, don't forget to to make those personal comments and encouragements and 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 uh, uh, maybe just conversations with some of the young people in your church that you're looking at and saying, hey, maybe God is calling them into ministry, and maybe all it takes is a little bit of attention from their pastor for for God to allow that to, God is going to use that to put the thought in their mind and the passion in their heart. So, uh, you know, uh, John, or uh, John, you're not John Maxwell, are you, Dan? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, at our church, we're we're close to a college, and we have scores of college students that come during the uh, school year. And when you have on here in your article, you wrote, you know, next generation called the ministry. Uh, it's just we have a blast with college students, yeah. and uh, it, but but you don't need to have a college near you to just have eyes for the next generation, because we as as us pastors get older, we tend to think you know about our peers and about the people that are our age, and we have to intentionally be looking at that next generation. I think that one thing that's a, a helpful little um, let me use the word formula. It's not really a formula. But I, here's what here's what I believe and we practice. If if you'll pray, just even for one or two, if you'll pray for a next gen Sharpie to rise up into ministry, we have found that um, what you pray for you look for and what you look for you find. Hmm. And so that little thing might help somebody today. Number four on your list of numbers that really matter is restored marriages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's 
Yeah, I mean, that one's so huge and something that, again, maybe we don't necessarily track as a, as a, as a number. But, I mean, when, when, when you have a role in restoring a marriage, I mean, that, that's a whole family that's affected. That's, I mean, that's like kingdom work right there. It's huge kingdom work. It restores the family. It changes culture. It gives people hope. It restores faith. Um, it, I mean, in many ways, it's evangelistic. People go out and tell the story. Of, of this church, or that pastor, or this small group leader helped us and turned our marriage around, and what, what was the name of that church, and the off it goes, and you should come to the church. I mean, it, not only is it kingdom and restorative and redemptive, I think it's evangelistic. Now, speaking of evangelistic, the next one you have on here is new Christians and baptisms, which is, you know, salvations and baptisms. So I think you wanted to include that in this list of numbers to look for. I did. Uh, I sort of fudged or cheated on that one a little bit because that that clearly would be a, a, a number I would think anybody, any church would want to keep track of how many people get saved and how many people get baptized. But I, I, I just was compelled to put that in there because I think salvation is at the core of the Great Commission. A redeemed life is at the very epicenter of what we do. And each baptism represents an amazing story. And I've honestly, and again, this is just personal, but I've never been in a church anywhere watching a baptism moment that where the Holy Spirit didn't just fill the place and you knew something was something special was happening. I would tack on, if, if I'm allowed to add to your list, Dan. Of course. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I would tack on. Is this, is this number 11? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I would add just another slash to number five. I've never heard of the 11 commandments, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would just add, you know, and maybe this is another product of having a lot of college students around and, and a, at a Christian school, is people coming back to the faith, right? People uh, re-energized in their relationship with, with God. Because uh, we've seen some of that at our church, and that's an amazing thing, too, to see somebody get so jaded on the church, and then somehow we as a body can help them to see the, the beauty and the vibrancy again. I mean, that's such a huge win uh, for us. I totally agree. Your next one is addictions broken and fear conquered. And, and then you say this may, be not, uh, this may not be as common as divorce in all, our culture, but it's more prevalent than maybe we would imagine. I think this might be more prevalent than divorce, honestly. Um, you know, just people carrying around addiction. So, you know, you, you talk about this as an important thing to measure. The thing that's kind of crazy about this one is you, you can't see it very easily. And people don't talk about it as quickly. And um, But I think it's there, it's prevalent, and there's such a huge ministry. I think that the trick is that we're not all qualified. I'm not really, I'm, I mean, I, I can do basic short-term pastoral counseling, but I'm not a therapist. I'm not really qualified to do that. So I think partnering is a big deal, and you guys could speak to that, but I think partnering with people who are qualified is important. Yeah, and a month or two ago, we had Nathan Staub on our podcast for the second time, and he's the director of Atlas Ministries here in our community, and, and he's a social worker, essentially. He's a Christian social worker. He's a kind of a backyard counselor, uh, but he does it all the time. I mean, he's got this organization where people come in off the street, but we've partnered with them, and there are, there are several organizations in our community that we've partnered with, and I think, and, and Dan, as I was making some notes here, you know, I was going to say, hey, we need to, as small church pastors, partner 
with other organizations and professionals in this area. And then as I read down through your article, you, you actually write that <laughs> as well. <laughs> so we were both thinking along the same lines. Yep. You've got to partner with the people who are experts. That's what they do. They're, they're qualified, and they have time to do it. Number seven on your list of ten was first-time tithers. Amen, is, Dan. Amen. <laughs> is, is that I got still an amen a, from Johnny. All right. <laughs> is that still a thing, Dan? Oh, I'm being a little smart. Okay, right. Is that still a thing, first-time tithers? How, how do you guys encourage? I mean, hey, let's face it. You know, you mega churches, right? Oh boy! <laughs> you know, that's all you're after is the money, right? And and but we all know the kind of people that come to your church. They just all flock in, and they're not committed, and they don't want to grow, and so they're probably not giving, right? And all these big, fluffy, watered down mega churches that take anybody. Um, it was great to have you on, Dan. We're sorry that you're never going to be back with us. That, that does conclude the interview. <laughs> oh man, I, you know, I, you know, I'm being smart. Um, uh, but but how do you approach this with new people who maybe it's their first time ever in a church? They've been invited to your church. Somebody invited them. Here they come, and they're really not churchgoers. They're not churchgoers, and we're very sensitive to it uh, and aware, but we're not apologetic. Uh, we will, from the, the larger platform uh, on a weekend, address this topic actually only once a year. And, and non-apologetically, but again, only, only once a year in terms of a sermon series. Now, throughout the year, the offering moment will encourage and we'll have a 10, 20-second encouraging moment at, at the point of an offering. But the teaching is only once a year because we, we understand that we don't want to bombard them. It's not about the money. It's about a, a surrendered life. It's about a changed life. Sometimes we'll even have an outside message or a, something fresh, a, a new voice to help communicate it. But we're, we're so, we so deeply believe, first of all, obviously it's biblical, and secondly, that a true surrendered life, changed life, d- does realize it's all given by God and it's a gift to give back. And that, that God, you open doors to be blessed. And we, we don't believe, I'll, I'll just go on record, we don't believe in prosperity theology. We don't teach prosperity theology. And the majority of our church doesn't tithe and we get it. But we don't give up, we don't quit, we keep encouraging what God says. Yeah, I think that's great. And that's such an awkward, I, and you know, I've had this conversation with Jeff, it's, it's such an awkward thing to talk about, because maybe it's just the culture, and, and Jeff talks about the glory days of the 80s when people actually respected pastors. Um, maybe it's just the culture, and I feel like if I stand up and say, you know, giving is important, it's a sign of a surrendered life, people are just going to look at me and think, yeah, well, that's his paycheck, so obviously he thinks that, you know, that that doesn't mean we can't or shouldn't talk about it. And you had another leadership lesson where you say, you need to speak courageously. I mean, that would be one of those issues that, look, God's pretty clear, right, that when you've surrendered your life, you surrender your resources. So, anyway, I'm I'm just agreeing. But, 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 <laughs> but before we move on from there, it, here's, to me, here's when it's not awkward, and Dan, you can... Uh, you can chime in on this. It's not awkward when I desire the people in my church to experience the fulfillment, the blessing of being a giver. Absolutely. And the people can tell the difference between desperation of a pastor. (laughs) You you really need to give, God. Really, you do. Yeah, yeah. Because we have to make budget. I mean, God will change your life. Yeah. (laughs) 
People know the difference. They know when the pastor is saying it from the heart and just wants you to have all God. They, they know. Your eighth metric that we should be measuring is new volunteers and leaders in the church. And, you know, obviously you are a leadership guru, so leadership is close to your heart. But really, I mean, we all know as pastors, volunteers make the whole operation go, right? So we need volunteers. We need volunteers. But I think, uh, again, going back to the, the, the biblical heart of all this, it's, it's even bigger than that we need volunteers. I think the serving heart of Christ needs to be activated in every believer. You know, Christ modeled serving to us. And so really, serving is, is the pinnacle in many ways of discipleship and maturity in Christ. And so when you net-net, again, we're not trying to get pharisaic or legalistic, and God help us not do that. But it's, it's pretty simple to measure some of the super basics, like giving, serving, uh, um, you, you know how, how people love each other. I mean, there, we don't have to have a long list of the things that God would be pleased with as people mature in Christ. And volunteering is kind of at near the top of the list. And now, as pastors, when we get new volunteers and new leaders, that also gives us an opportunity to develop right those talents in them. And I, and I think that that's a, a you know, part of the biblical mandate as well, right? That we would Absol- raise up the next generation. Absolutely. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 makes that really clear, that that's exactly what the pastors, the pastor isn't supposed to do all that work. We're, we're to equip the, equip the people to do the work of ministry. I, I love it when when people, well, they get the wrong answer. The volunteers say, yeah, I'm helping the pastor do his work. I'm helping the pastor. No, no, we're helping you do yours, you know? <laughs> and uh, when they catch on to that, it's really fun to watch the transformation. And so let's promote your book, Dan, because your book, Amplified Leadership, you know, is written by an administrative pastor about developing leaders in the local church. And, you know, the more we, we talked about this, actually a year ago, Dan, a year ago this month, we talked about that book for 100 minutes. And we turned it into our <laughs> first five episodes. But the longer that has kind of been marinating in my mind, the more I go back to that book and the principles and teachings there, that that's, that's just a great roadmap to follow if you're going to develop leaders. So as a small church pastor, if you want to be better at developing leaders in your church, just jump on Amazon.com and look for, look for uh, Amplified Leadership. It's a great book. Number nine, Dan, you talked about hours devoted to prayer, and you said it's the true di- difference maker for any church. And again, in an age when the prayer meeting has kind of gone by the wayside for various reasons, some some good and some bad, uh, we can't lose sight of the fact that prayer is something that is so vital to our to our Christian life and to our church. Yeah, it's at the very core. I mean, it's, it's wrapped around the, the whole salvation, baptism, peace we were talking about earlier. And of course, please let me say, I don't really think we should count how many hours we pray, but but I, but I can't help wondering and believing that there's a, a direct correlation between the fervency of our heart and the power of God on, on it. And, and when I say prayer, I hope we all mean the same thing. I'm not talking about a prayer meeting where Aunt Susie has a hangnail. I'm talking about really, I mean, <laughs> asking God for his help and his power on the church. Yeah, yeah, amen. Uh, and then the, the last one, and I love this one. I got two little kids, and so mm. this is important to me, right? Kids treated with respect. And though even the way you say that is different than, you know, not like kids having fun. This is kids 
treated with respect, children being seen as an actual integral vital part of the congregation and what we do. Um, why is that important? Why is that important for the church? Well, obviously Jesus had some really, really clear thoughts about how we should treat children. Um, but to the practical side of all of that, um, I think it speaks to our children's ministry. If the children's ministry is a afterthought and the rooms are messed up and the safety is low and the volunteers are not trained, I mean, that just says something. And I, I, I try to coach pastors and say, no, don't stress out over it. Don't, don't, you know, don't think you have to go to Disneyland and spend a hundred thousand dollars and have slides in every room. But, you know, a, a fresh coat of paint and a training session for volunteers who actually care. I mean, there's things you can do right now for a, lib, a little bit of money and a, and a lot of elbow grease and some good care from the heart that can transform children's ministries to a place where it looks like you really care and respect these kids. And I'm telling you, that will change the church. Well, and I mean, we're running out of time, but that, you know, when we think about this, kids, they're the next. I mean, that's the next set of church people. And, you know, young people are walking away from the church. We've all seen the statistics. But if we really can start to, right when they're kids, and then all the way up through teen and college and adult, and show them respect, dignity, let them know they're important to the body, be honest with them, just those types of things. You know, sometimes we think church is about adults. Church is not about adults. You know, Mm -hmm. we're always about the next generation. Couldn't agree more on the kids, and and people notice. People notice. Of course, we all know that if the kids aren't happy, the parents aren't coming back. Yeah, and Dan, what you just said just two minutes ago about what we can do to just up our game in children's ministry and increase our respect for people uh, with with small kids, uh, it does make a difference. And and I think that there are pastors listening, uh, me being one of them, even though we have a we have a volunteer children's ministry director. Who's she does wonderful. a great job. Yeah. But we can always be thinking about that because it's usually the thing that we don't think about because you know we're all in a different room worshiping God in this holy way while the children are you know doing crazy things somewhere else that we don't know about. So <laughs> usually having a lot more fun than we are though. Yeah. So uh, sure. often t- yeah. Well, they get snack time. <laughs> We get communion. Come on. I know, but I I, I was out at the Hamilton Mill campus yesterday, I mean Sunday, and I was going through the kids' rooms, and they were filling all the bags with the cheese, little fish cheese, you know, the little fish thing, whatever you call them, and and, and Cheerios, (laughs) and I thought, I want a bag of fish and Cheerios, and... (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool if we passed them out in church sometime? That would be. What if we... Well, now, what do you call those things? Dan? Goldfish like crackers. Goldfish. Crack. There they are. Goldfish. I got. I'm the only one with little kids here. <laughs> exactly. Let's have goldfish communion. Goldfish Ooh. communion. There you go. Hey, it's the fish, right? Christian. A juice <laughs> box. And juice boxes. Instead of just a little cup, you get a whole juice box. A juice box and goldfish. I think we're onto something. Amen. Yeah, but when you stick, I can never stick the straw in oh, without it squirting out on me. Oh goodness. Okay, that's my personality. Dan, thank you so much for joining us this month. You are welcome. My pleasure. Great to talk with both of you, and I hope you guys, the rest of your day is fantastic. Thank you. Okay, Jeff, lightning round. Dan just dropped 10 numbers that really matter on us, 10 different numbers. Which was your, like, which one stands out to you? Okay, I'm going to try and hurry and not make this real long. Lightning round. Okay. So, so, <laughs> Go ahead. so having just gone through this thing with my son and still going through it, 
Sure. My point with Doug was that I want to do, I accept him where he's at. I accept him right where he's at, but I don't want him to stay there. Sure. I want to do everything in my power to help Doug get the next step down the road to get to, to use a, a trite expression, to get to the next level. Right. All right. In his development. And I thought about that as a pastor. Do, do I feel that way? Do we feel that way as pastors about our people? That we love them right where they are. We accept them where they are. But boy, we certainly don't want our people to just stay at that level. Right. And, and I realized that, you know, Doug had this accident and he has a setback and now he's got to work hard to get back to where he was. But the truth is that we're all working hard to get to somewhere that we're not right now, hmm. right? We're all trying to get better. We're all trying to improve. We're trying to learn and grow. So the one that I kind of looked at was number six. He talked about addictions broken and fear conquered. Because some people, you know, obviously you're addicted to your addictions, right? They they grab right. you. They, they imprison you. They take time out of your life. They mm-hmm. they keep you from doing the things that will move you forward, and fears conquered. I mean, we should, I think, as pastors, be trying to help our people get over the things that are causing them to not go to that next place that that God has in their development. Right. And maybe that Ephesians 2.10, uh, good work that God's prepared in advance hmm. for us to to do, but for whatever reason, we're allowing stuff that doesn't need to hold us back to hold us back. Yeah. So I think that's a good number to you know how many of our people are moving past their fears and getting beyond their addictions. That's a, yeah, that's a great one. Um mine was um you know how are we helping those who are most in need around us, right? So how much are we giving? How many are we serving? How you know what I'm saying? That that's the number that really matters. Um I think that a metric of of a healthy church is how you're loving your community, right? How you love those people in society that so often go unloved, right? What Jesus called the least of these in society. And so you can be the smallest church in town, and we've said this before, and love people the best. I, and I believe that. I believe that to the bottom of my heart. You know, I went to a church. It was about 1,500 people, and uh, I was there, and uh, we were part of the church. We were involved and then my wife and I kind of heard about this other church, and we had some friends going to this other church, much smaller. It was a plant, 100, 150 people. Now, later on in life, I feel mixed about this as a pastor, right? How, how do you leave a church, quit a church, yeah. go to another church, right? right? But we had made this decision. We, we, didn't, we weren't uh, whatever it was at the church we were at, and we were wanted to check this new place, maybe because we wanted to be cool. I can't say what it was, but... Uh, I talked to our small group leader and he said, I think that you're going to have more opportunities to do the types of things you're passionate about at the larger church. Hmm. There's more money, more people, all this kind of stuff. We noticed when we went to that smaller church, we felt they were doing a much better job at loving their community. We felt that they were doing a much better job at serving uh, the poor and the disenfranchised. Your size doesn't matter when it comes to this. Why do you think that it might be true that the larger church gets... Maybe they maybe they just get away from being outward focused and helping those outside of their church body. Oh man, I you know a guess that I would give could could just be that a larger church gets you, you have to take care of the people who are there to keep them there. Does that make sense? Uh, and I and I don't want to like cast on every church in America that's a little no, larger. right, right. Because small churches could do the same thing. Well, we've only Certainly. got fifty people. We got to so keep them here. We better cater to. So them. We better drive the whole thing toward them, but. You know, I think that there can be that sense that, and you know, it takes 
more staff and you have to spend a lot more money on the internals i think than maybe you have a chance on the outside those would be two guesses that i would have um but also the third you know and this one i think is definitely real the third thing is in a small church we can empower people and enable people to go out and live out their passions in these areas. You want to help people? You want to, you want to give? You want to, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's go. You know what I mean? Uh, we talk about this a lot. We're nimble. We can turn on a dime at the small right, church. Right. So if, if there's a need, let's go meet it. You know, we don't have to have like 10 meetings and try to figure out if there's room in the budget for whatever, whatever. You know, we have a benevolent committee at our church. And when we get a need, Jeff, you email the people on the committee and we get a right, yes right. and we cut a check. I mean, it's there's not some big process. You know, while we're talking about this, I'm remembering that my my friend Rob in Philadelphia, they just at their church did this series called Be Rich. Be Rich, They yeah. partnered with Andy Stanley's church in Atlanta, uh, along with some other churches. I think they were all doing sure. the same series yeah. together. But in, in Philly, at his church, I think they're running about 2,000 or maybe more than that now. But they had a concerted effort to and I don't know the details of it. I haven't talked with Rob about it personally, but I know that they were collecting money that was not going to stay in the church. It was all going to go out That's into awesome. the community to help others. That's awesome. And so I think probably the truth is, whatever size church you're at, it's probably a leadership thing. You know, if the leadership yeah, true. has a heart for the poor and has a heart for being an outward focused and helping others that don't look like us, right? Then we'll do it, and if we don't, we don't. So, right. the truth is, whatever size church you're in right now, if you're in a small church, it really doesn't matter. You can have, the, you can have as a leader, as a pastor, you can lead your people to have a generous spirit and give to others. Absolutely. And if you're in a large church, you can do same the same thing. thing. Yep. Well, that's what we've got. That was Dan and uh, our conversation with him. We love it. We love Dan. And now, Jeff, uh, hopefully in the coming weeks, you know, you get kind of back into the rhythms of life and we can get Carl and Dan and Dave. Figure out what we're even doing. I know, man. <laughs> we're, we're about to tip over the 100 mark for podcast episodes. I feel like that's a moment. And, you know, I, I'm just grateful. I mean, we, our lives have changed. Our, our, we are oh, deeper man. people. Oh, man. We're better people. Um, the relationships we developed through this podcast with you as listeners uh, has changed, really just deepened and, and enriched our lives. Yeah. So I'm very thankful, and I'm excited for what the future holds and uh, just the just the ministry that we can do together as That's we right. encourage each other. So thank you. Thank you today for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.